Welcome to On Uninformed. I'm Sean C.V. Each week, On Uninformed helps you in being connected to the world around you so you don't feel dumb around your smart friends. This week, we're talking about what happens when jailmates run. And we're not talking about, you know, when they run from the prison. We're talking about when they take on running as a sport. Joining me is Isaac Wood, who's a cross-country coach at Brigham Young University. He's been coaching people at the Utah State Prison to use running as an outlet. And coming up in a couple weeks is the Utah State Prison Marathon. So, Isaac Wood, welcome to Ununinformed. Sean, I'm so excited to be part of your podcast. Being a longtime friend, (laughs) I've been a fan of the podcast from day one. So to be a part of it is quite an honor. Oh, I'm I'm flattered. Uh, so before we jump into stuff, uh, let's talk about how's BYU doing. Good question. So, and when you're 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 a coach. What what coach are you? For so BYU? so so technically, my title is director of operations. So that means it's my job to run the show behind the scenes. So I make lives easier for you know the the athletes, you know, the coaches I work with. Um, et cetera, I kind of help shape the the direction our program is heading through recruiting, scholarships, roster management, social media, um, administrative um, purposes th- for, through academics, et cetera. And how's BYU doing? I mean, I know they're ranking high. Yeah, uh, let, let's let's hear how let's hear the stats. Well, currently our men's team is ranked second in the NCAA. Um, uh-huh. And, uh, and it's division tight. one, it's tight yeah. division one cross country. This is the real deal. So, and it's really tight between them and Northern Arizona on who's the best team in the country. In fact, that's currently the great debate. Um, and then, uh, on the women's side, the women are ranked at number 18 and I think, wow. uh, only going to get better from there. So, yeah. um, in fact, here's a shameless plug for my blog, the wood report. You can look that up, uh, just on a quick Google search and find the blog that I have that I've been doing for several years, kind of breaking down NCAA cross country for those who actually care. Yeah, and I'll put the link for that in the show notes. That'd be great. So let's talk about how you got to start coaching people in the Utah State Prison. Let's hear the story. So it started, I was coaching at Weber State University. It's a um, Division One uh, NCAA school um, in Ogden, Utah, just... Yeah. Just about an hour north of Provo, maybe an hour, a little more, depending on how you're driving. Um, if Sean's driving an hour and a half. <laughs> whoa, uh, whoa, whoa. <laughs> shots fired. No. Uh, so, and so I was coaching at Weber State and uh, I was kind of the low ranking coach there and I got all the, le- le- all I got all the mail. So anything that came into, you know, our mail system that said Weber State track or cross country or whatever, it came in my box because they wanted yeah. me to go through the mail. So I just happened to be going through my mailbox, and they saw this letter. It said, you know, uh, Weber State University attention running coach. <laughs> Somehow I got that. So, And uh, I was like, okay, I guess I'll open it because I opened up everything you, know, you get. And I opened it up, and it's, it was a letter from an inmate in the prison who, uh, whose name is Jason Penny. And Jason basically just described a little bit of his life, talking about how he, you know, going to prison was like the most depressing thing. You know, obviously he was the most depressed he'd ever been. Um, he was, you know, overweight, unhappy, didn't really know what to do with his life and just kind of found running yeah. and how running had kind of helped him lose weight, find peace, find an outlet and that they had tried really hard to get a group together. And it was kind of, they had a group, but not really, 
They were reading as many Runner's World magazines for tips that they can get their hands on, but it still wasn't the same thing as having a, a coat there, right? Right. So he kind of just reached out and said, hey, we'd be willing for any kind to, to get any kind of support that we could get from you if that's, you know, just, you know, like even just written letters for workouts, if that's, you know, whatever. And I, so I read it over and um, talked to our coaching staff, you know, at Weber State about it and our compliance director with NCAA to make sure that I wasn't breaking any rules because there's a lot of them. Oh, yeah. Um, I know that. <laughs> yeah. Since you were a Division II NCAA <laughs> cross country right. runner. Yeah. Um, so, you know, because of all that, I wanted to make sure we were good that way. And, and then talked to my wife, who was the most important. I wanted to make sure she wasn't going to be. You know, worried about me every time I decided to <laughs> touch foot in the prison. So, and she seemed to be okay with it. And so, she's very supportive, actually. So, um, I decided to kind of go through it, go through with it, and to kind of just see where it would go. Right. So, I had a phone number to call of the recreation lieutenant at the prison. Okay. So, I just gave him a call. He couldn't believe that I had actually gotten the, the letter and wanted to do anything about it. And uh, we just kind of went from there. Wow. I understand that this guy sent out several letters. Yes. Yes. I was not the only person who, who he sent a letter to. But or... the only one that responded. I guess so. Then what happened? I mean, I know this eventually turned into, you know, some legit coaching opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I called him up and we talked about what I wanted out of it and what the what the guys in the prison wanted out of it. And we kind of realized we had similar goals. You know, I wanted to have another kind of opportunity to coach per se, but also maybe reach out to the community and, and they wanted someone who would be willing just to spend a little bit of his time to come out there and, and coach them. So that's, you know, essentially that's, that's what happened. I, I, we set it up and, you know, set up the first day was going to be like the end of sometime at the end of May. I think the first time we did it was 2015. So May, 2015 and, uh, just kind of went from there. And I understand you guys were working up to a marathon. Right. right, right. So they had actually run a marathon in prison before, but it was unorganized. No one had really trained for it per se, except for a few people who actually, you know, were really invested. Um, and so they wanted to have someone to kind of run a pro- program, a training program for them that they could be consistent with that would help more people run a marathon, more people run half marathon, 10K. They do it all together. Yeah. Um, you know, just to kind of, you know, the, it's easier with the coach. It's easier with someone there. You know, they motivate you. They keep you accountable. You know, usually give you maybe a little bit better training than you would get from just a Runner's World magazine because you're getting it individualized for you, that kind of stuff. So it worked up to the, with the with the intent of being being able to run a marathon by the end of, you know, the summer or into, or into the fall. Wow. Uh, and a marathon, and now this had to be on like the prison campus, uh, right? Right, and yeah, when I first kind of took on this project, um, I thought we were going to be able to run it, you know, maybe outside and just like have you under know, security, under or something. In- intense, yeah, security. Oh, because this is not just the jail, this is the right. Utah State Prison. This is the Utah State Prison. Penitentiary, prison, yeah. whatever, whatever word you want to put there for that. Yeah, uh, state pen, whatever. So, yeah, these, you know, the, the guys that are in there are in there for a reason. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately for them and for whoever they, you know, whatever act they did that impacted their lives. Um, wow. So they, so I think one of my first questions to the recreation lieutenant was like, "Where are we going to run the marathon?" He's like, um, "Out in the yard." <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, how big is the yard? The yard's about 375 meters around, so it's about 120 laps for the marathon. Oh crap! No joke. Wow, uh, man. I mean, I 
I complained about the two mile. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> With like the eight laps. Like yeah. I, I, I sucked at running in, in high school because uh, I hated counting the laps. I was way better at cross country. Well, and, and at the next level, obviously you run the five k, ten k on the track, which is twelve and a half and twenty five laps respectively. Yeah, so that's true. Um, and so. Share with me some some stories of the, you know experiences you had with some of these people. Yeah, I mean, I think my first experience in there will forever be cemented in my mind, just because you know you don't know what to expect. I mean, I, and the the worst thing I'd probably done in preparing for this was I had literally watched the entirety of Prison Break. Uh, <laughs> and 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 actually, it had no correlation to this. I actually oh, really? finished it and then got the letter. So it's funny because, yeah, I, I, when I was watching it, I wasn't thinking, oh, what if this was going to be like in there? I just thought, this is a really, you know, this, this is the most addicting TV show I've probably ever watched. So, <laughs> Wait, that's but, but, like, was it, okay, was it realistic though? Or, or mm, there's some things that are realistic, sure. I mean, you know, my, my first, um, my first, my first day in there, you know, I, they were like, okay, so you can't bring in your cell phone. The only things you can bring in are your keys and your ID. I said, okay, that's fine. And, and they were like, you can wear shorts. You'll be the only guy allowed in the entire prison to wear shorts that are working there. Oh. Everyone else has to wear pants. Interesting. Huh? Okay. Now you know. All right. Um, and I could bring in some coaching materials, but it was all kind of watched and looked at and make sure that I wasn't bringing in any, any kind of contraband. Like or, sharp objects. Yeah, no shivs in my pocket or whatever. <laughs> so obviously not doing that. That's not the purpose. So I get in there, and I actually made the, the mistake of not using the restroom before I got in there. And if you get past a certain point in the prison, you kind of can't go back out unless you're basically leaving. So uh, I I go to the officer who was kind of escorting me, and I said, hey, you know, I I would like to be able to use the restroom before we started the clinic. And he's like, you're serious? I said, (laughs) yeah, you know. Is that a a tough ask? And uh, he's like, well, there aren't any private bathrooms at this point, so everything is public and whatever. So he's like, we'll have to go into the gym here and use the restroom. Well, Little did I know, behind the gym doors were 100-plus inmates playing basketball, lifting, working out. And so they open the doors, and here I am in my purple polo from Weber State in khaki <laughs> shorts and running shoes, and I'm 6'6", 200-plus pounds, and all of a sudden, all eyeballs in the gym stop and look at me. If you want to say daunting, that doesn't even cover it. Wow. I, I just kind of like, you know, maybe said a mini prayer and thought, okay, here we go. <laughs> And I had to kind of go and, and I had to use the bathroom in front of all of them because there's no, like the door there doesn't really work. It's like not private. Yeah. So wow. yeah. Welcome to the prison. Here's a baptism by fire. Oh, that's fantastic. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, but I want to hear about some of the, the people. Sure. Enough about me. <laughs> hey, you're great too. Wow. Thank you. I needed <laughs> to hear that. So <laughs> essentially... Everyone there has an interesting story. I mean, and the reason that they're in there, you know, some for varying ranges of, you know, assault, sexual assault or assault of whoever, um, to, um, murder, to, uh, some, some white collar crime, um, on some level that I've had a few guys in there from that. A lot of, but most of the people that I've worked with have been sex offenders or murderers. And so this is a prison. So like, a good amount of these are like lifers. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. These guys, a lot of these guys that are in there, like the next time they see the board for possible, you know, um, parole, parole or... is like 2030 or whatever, you know, oh. or 2035 yeah. and they're already 50. So it's like, well, yeah, you know, 
So, um, <laughs> some of my, you know, I did a really dumb thing by not recording some of these stories because some of them are so, you know, just funny or classic or whatever. But my first day in the prison, they put me in a portable. So I don't know what to expect and, you know, I have no idea what's going to happen. So I sit there in the portable and they bring in these guys. Start bringing them in. We had a huge group my first time in there, probably 50 plus guys. I couldn't fit them all in the portable. It was end of May. It was hot. There was no AC. It was just like sweat and bullets in there, you know, and all these guys. And I was, I was expecting to see a lot of rough looking types, uh, guys who weren't super like excited about me being there, whatever. But lo and behold, the first guy I meet is this like super jovial man who comes up to me and he's like, Coach, thank you so much for being here. You just don't even know how much it means to us that you are here. And he looked like he had never done anything wrong in his life. And I almost kind of leaned into him and said, what are you doing here? <laughs> let me let me help you like get out of here. No, I'm just kidding. But I just couldn't believe that this guy wasn't any different than me. Yeah. You know? And I expected everyone that I would be working with to be different than me. Yeah, look different. Look different, and, and be act rough, different. Like be, act, act yeah, tough. Yeah, act tough, all those things. And 75% of the guys were just like him. Yeah. I'm like, wait, what? I mean, my expectation versus reality yeah. were completely you know, off base. Wow. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. And, and uh, so I handed out this little questionnaire, and I do it at the beginning of every year I've done this. This is my third year. Um, numbers are waning this year, but I'm still, we're still sticking it out, you know, sticking it out no matter what, you know, a little bit of rough year for whatever reason. But the first year though, I mean, tons of people there. So I had this questionnaire, I had people fill out and sign, not sign, but just kind of give me some information. I want to know what I was working with. Right. So, you know, one of the questions was, what is your running experience? And of course, you know, I was waiting for this. Someone kind of reads that out loud from the back and says, running from the cops. (laughs) And then another smart aleck, obviously unsuccessfully, (laughs) you know, and that's, that's kind of the beauty of the prison is a lot of guys in there. They get it. They screwed up. They screwed up big time. Right. And they just, at this point, there's nothing they can do about it. So generally they just, they kind of become sarcastic, but it's almost in a, in a, you know, hard not to like way, like, okay, you know, yeah. it's charming in some weird fashion, the sarcasm they're, they're in the prison. Yeah, they bit, own yeah. the fact that they screwed up. All right. That they, that they flat out made a decision that not only affected them, their family, but someone else's lives to a degree that they need to be put away, you know, <laughs> yeah. for it. And, uh, you know, um, one of the guys in there, his name is Beans. In fact, I don't know his name. His name is Beans. <laughs> That's what everyone calls him. And he's just, he kills me, man. He is so funny. And he's just so just he, he's sarcastic. He just like he's very self-deprecating, but he's also not depressed or like moody. He's just that's how he is, and yeah. I, I value that about him, you know. And uh, and he comes almost every time I'm there, and he works his tail off, and I appreciate that from that guy, you know. Um, you know the cool thing about the clinic is that Jason Penny, who wrote the letter, he's the ringleader. I mean, he's kind yeah. of the he's the staple of the group. He's been doing it for a long time now at this point, you know, running wise, and. They all kind of lean on him. He's super dependable, reliable. He's another guy that you're like, dude, why are you in here? Like, come on, you know, yeah, you're better than this, you so, know. So he's kind of become a leader. He's yeah. motivated. Yeah, you very. The dude wouldn't miss a run ever. Really, ever. Unless I mean, like something lost, happened. This guy came in like heavy set, heavy, and lost a ton of weight. I mean, guys would be like, 
You should have seen Penny before he started running, you know. Well, give, <laughs> he was huge, well, you Give know? me an idea. Like, I mean, he probably went from 230 to 150, 160. Really? Yes. So he's, like, does he look Skinny. like a Twiggy runner right now? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. So if nothing great else, guy. like, huge success well, story there. It's funny that I just said that. Great guy. I'm sure, I'm sure whoever he, you know, affected through his crime would not consider him a great guy. <laughs> but it's hard because yeah. for me, like, the only Jason Penny I know is a great guy. Yeah. You know? Um, like a guy I would flat out trust. Wow. And maybe maybe I've been manipulated. I don't know. But <laughs> yeah, he got you. <laughs> he got yeah. me too. No. Yeah. But in my opinion, he's a great guy. Um, one of my first times in there, it was hot. Like it was the middle of the, middle of the summer. Because when I do these clinics, I go every two weeks starting from the end of May till probably the end of August. And then I go as much as I can between end of August till like the last Tuesday of October when we do the marathon. Yeah. Uh, this year has been a struggle. I haven't gone since August, but it is well, what it is. Well, and then this is you know. in the heat of the so, cross-country so, season. Yeah, right. I'm busy beyond belief. So but so I remember, though, one of the first hot days, um, we were going to do a tempo run, which is, you know, the idea behind a tempo run is to, you know, build up your lactate threshold. So, you know, yeah. you want to push the limit of your lactate threshold so – you'll, you know, adapt and hit, it'll increase, you know, so you're getting fitter, basically. That's the idea. Yeah. So we're doing a tempo run, and I kind of started them out, and I said, okay, I want you to feel like you're going to you're gonna feel like this is hard, but not to the point where you, you're thinking, oh, I can only do this for like 30 seconds more and I'm done, or only a minute more and I'm done. Like, you can do this for 20 minutes and be okay. Like, it'll hurt, but you can handle it. That's what I told yeah. him. And then I said, and also, let me know how you're feeling because I don't want to kill anyone out here. And all of a sudden, I realized, oh man, guys in guys in this group have literally killed someone. <laughs> and I kind of got some Ooh. weird looks, like, yeah, probably shouldn't have said that. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, Sorry. whoops. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, anyway, uh, yeah, <laughs> keep going. You guys are doing great, you know. <laughs> okay, so that that happens. Okay. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, awkward yeah. Things like that. Okay. Yeah. Another time, I was talking with a guy and. And people think that the best part about the Clint, the, the, the prison and the, and the guys I work with, they, I'm like to them, I'm an athletic trainer. I'm a dietitian. Yeah. I'm an exercise physiologist. Wow. I'm a coach. I'm a, I'm a motivational speaker. You know, I mean, to them, I'm like all of these things because I'm kind of the only access to those people like that. So one time a guy went up to me and he started asking me all these questions about his diet and man, like. I mean, I know enough about what to eat and what not to eat for running, sure. But, like, he was asking me some in-depth questions. And I said, hey, you know, I'm going to help you the best I can with these questions you're asking me. But remember, I, ha- I, have, a, I have a degree in history, so <laughs> not, not dietetics. He said, well, I have a degree in drug dealing, so you're better off. Than, you're better, it's better you than me, you know. <laughs> okay, so it can only get better for me. Yeah, exactly. Wow, <laughs> you're such a mentor. Wow. That's right. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, can I can I ask you for a diet? A diet advice, hey, you know, you just know? just let me know. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. tell me what to eat. Yeah, I'll start a blog on dietetics. <laughs> yeah, okay. Please. Um, you know, one of my favorite guys in there is a Polynesian guy. Okay. And you don't usually associate Polynesians with running, right? Usually football, yeah, maybe Some rugby. Some of the bigger guy sports. Yeah, 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 yeah okay. exactly. Yeah. Uh, basketball, you know, whatever. When I first met him, he was okay. But he got so much better to the point where I was like, man, he's pretty talented. Yeah. And I went up to him and I said, hey, like, you're actually getting good at this. He said, I know. <laughs> he's like, I'd like to be able to do some some 5Ks when I get out. And I said, oh, yeah. Like, is that coming up soon? I usually don't ask them unless there's a segue okay, yeah. into, you know, so when are you going to get out? And he said, well, hey, I see the board in 2028. 
I was oh, like, oh, my right. bad. Like, that, was, dude, I shouldn't have asked. Like, I'm sorry. He's like, no, that's pretty soon. And I was like, in my head, like, wait, it's 2015. So that's 12. It's more no, than wait, a that's, decade. That's okay. a long time from now. And he's like, hey, man, in here, you got to have the eternal perspective. And I was like, all right, man, <laughs> I got to. Yeah, that's getting, good. Getting a gospel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, yeah, exactly. I think he's been, uh, you know, studying his, uh, his gospel to kind of, you know, help him rehabilitate. So. That obviously is motivating him because 2028 to me seems like a long time. Yeah, to so. prepare for 5K. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Oh, wow. Man, you're going to be fit. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's kind of like – I'm, I'm thinking about like 401K. You know? Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm exactly. Yeah. far away. I know. That's true. Wow, that's, that's fantastic. Um, give me an idea of like the skill level of how are they doing. I mean, we could get into some nerdy running statistics. We but, could. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so for the – for the non-running nerds, uh, just just bear with us. Uh, help me out here. So, yeah, let's, let's hear how good these guys are doing. There's a massive range of ability levels. Yeah. Um, from the I've never run before in my life, and this is like the only group I have I have uh, level access to because of my behavior. So I'm just gonna go for an outlet kind <laughs> yeah, of yeah. thing. To people who like actually ran maybe in high school or have been running consistently for a long time it's that massive range so yeah. my first week in there usually i'll do a mile time trial okay i want to see where their fitness is at and a lot of times it's the same guys who are there the last three years and they're like coach would we know the drill we're gonna run a mile i was like how'd you know because you've done this now three times and you're gonna <laughs> run a mile and then there's those who don't know me that i don't know quite well yet that it's like i want to see where they're at and usually there's a guy who will break six minutes wow yeah, and you know that's not bad. That I mean, that, that's that's exceptional compared yeah. to average public. Right, yeah. my first time there, so in 2015, I had three guys break 5:30. Wow. Yeah, dead serious. I had some talent. I actually wow. had some talent. Like that's talent's fantastic. all it's all relative, sure. But but no, breaking 5:30. Well, listen, yeah, breaking 5:30 on that surface. I mean, it's awful. Huh. It's 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 dirt path, but it's like it's like. A rectangle, so super tight turns. So you're like turning every like twenty yeah, seconds. Yeah, it's yeah. tight turns. It's not smooth. It's like uphill, downhill. You know. Oh, it's not even flat. I just no, assumed it's it was like flat. you would think. Yeah, it should be flat, but it's still not. And so anyway, um, you know, massive range of talent levels, but it's fun because for a coach, it, it makes it fun because I get to kind of you know help people go from being you know zero to Hero, just kidding. Just uh, like that. Yeah, just like Zero that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and who to uh, thunk? Yeah. Um, or you know, I can take guys from being like, you know, consistently okay runners to hey, they're hitting PRs and things like that, and that's the key. Yeah. You know that. Oh, that's PR the, personal record. For personal those record. Who are out yeah. of the loop. Yeah. Or or if you're out of the United States, PB. Oh, didn't so know that. yeah. Okay. There you go. Personal uh, best. Yeah. Oh, got it. Okay. So. Uh, but you are uh, quite the cheerleader out there um, when you're cheering them on. Well, I mean, I try to, for 120 laps, you know, I try to come up with something different to say to them every time they come around, you know. <laughs> it needs to be the, you know, keep it rolling, great job, looking smooth, you know, <laughs> no, rhythm, get, rhythm, rhythm, you know. And I've, it's I've like, had that problem too, yeah. It's hard to come up with stuff, so I would. About 120. Wow. 120 times around, you got to, it's like, man. But uh, it's a good challenge to your running vocab, your running <laughs> jargon. It increases. Um, the things that you realize you can say that are actually motivating, 
you know, that's, that helps build up that vocab as well. And it helps me as, as a coach or director of operations, because I, when I'm at meets or practice, I can have more unique things to say. Yeah. (laughs) Improving your running. Improving my, yeah, exactly. If that's a thing. If that is a thing, I'm not sure. So, so what do you, what do you feel like the impact is running on these jail mates lives? What, what, what have you seen? I mean, I think for a lot of them, it helps them accomplish something. And for some of these guys, they haven't flat out accomplished anything in their life. Yeah. One time, we had a guy, um, Potter, don't remember his first name, just now, him as Potter. Okay. Um, he had he had gotten in a really bad car accident before he got into prison, and he had still rods in his legs. But he ran the whole marathon, took him like five and a half hours. Oh, wow. But after he finished the marathon, he said something very profound. It stuck with me forever. He's like, my dad, I cannot wait to tell my my dad. He will finally be proud of me. Wow. Like, how poignant is that, right? Yeah. Like, wow. You know, this, like, I helped someone accomplish something that he never thought he could do and that his dad or his family never thought he could do inside the prison. And what a great way. Isn't that, isn't that what every family member who has someone inside prison, I don't have necessarily direct experience with this, but I'd assume if you have family or someone you're close with inside the prison, don't you just want to hear that they're doing well? Yeah. Don't you just want to hear that they're improving and not like sitting and not sitting there rotting, you know? So to hear, so to be able to help them in some very small way, they do all the work in some very small way to be able to accomplish something that they can tell people outside the prison that they're doing, that they're doing this and it helps them gain some sort of peace. That's sweet, man. That's sweet. Yeah. Well, and I, I guess in closing, what, what do you think is the impact on you? What your perspective of, of, People in prison drastically changed. I mean, I I always assumed if you're in prison, you're a bad guy. Yeah. I always assumed that if you, um, you know, were a felon, that you obviously had no character or moral fiber. You know. Yeah. And to some extent, that might be true to some people that are in there. But I'm telling you that the guys that I've spent time with in there are usually, in my opinion, good guys who just did a really bad thing. And I remember talking to a guy in there just this past, just this summer. And he said to me, you know, I'm not really mad about what I did. I was like, what? I'm like, uh, okay, so maybe I should back away. No. Um, (laughs) He said, he said, I'm actually more mad that I allowed myself to get to the point where I was capable of doing that. You know, because I, it might have been a nice release for him at that point to have done what he did for whatever reason. I mean, I, that sure. sounds morbid in some way. Yeah. But in all reality, he, he he was just saying that he's frustrated and more mad at himself that he, he, he allowed himself to get to the point where he was okay with, you know, I don't know what he did, actually killing someone or assaulting someone. Yeah. You know, um, because I assume that, you know, two months leading up to the, to the act that he committed – he probably didn't think to himself, I'm going to be in prison the rest of my life. <laughs> right? Yeah. So how many of us are just two or three months away from allowing ourselves to go down this little rabbit hole that we never get out of and put ourselves in prison? Yeah. So why don't we be nicer to people when they're having a hard time? Why don't we believe in people when they're struggling? Why don't we take someone by the, you know, by the hand and say, hey, let me help you when they're in a hard time so they don't end up being that person in prison. And a lot of times those are some of our friends. And if you were to ask these guys are in prison, you know, and 
to ask their friends outside here and be like, do you think, would you imagine him ever being in prison? I'm sure a lot of them would say, no way. Yeah. Because they're pretty good guys. And the guys that I work with in there, in my opinion, humble opinion, I think that they're pretty good dudes. You know, I like a lot of them. I would consider some of them friends even, you know, yeah. from just the amount of time I've spent in there with them. Um, and uh, and my, so my perspective has completely 180 changed to being judgmental and fearful to desirous to serve and help and maybe cultivate um, a desire in them to improve to the point where when they get out that they become citizens that are helpful in their community and their family and whatnot. Cool. Hey, anything else you want to do before we close? We didn't really talk about how oh. we know each other. I think I think people need to know why you even knew me to okay, want to so, interview me. Okay, me and Isaac go way back. Way back. Yes. To West Sacramento, California, to February 2009, West Sacramento, California. Fresh off a mono diagnosis on my end. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Sean and I were mission companions on our missions for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and we both were assigned to speak the most random of all languages, Cambodian. Cambodian. <laughs> In California, that's In right. In California, yep. So we both speak now Cambodian. Yeah, it's very useful. I use useful, it all the time. <laughs> useful when we road trip places. When we were, when we, you know, before I got married and you know, <laughs> don't road trip anymore. We could talk to each other about anything that was going on ever at any location, and people would have no idea. Yeah, our little secret language. It's our secret code. <laughs> oh, I remember yeah. one time being in a gas station somewhere in the middle of nowhere, California, speaking Cambodian to each other, and someone came up to me and was like, "Is that Russian?" <laughs> like, Lady, you have no idea about languages, do you? Because <laughs> does that sound Russian to you? <laughs> <laughs> she certainly hasn't heard. No Cambodian idea. Before. No. Yeah. So and uh, and I <laughs> and bringing this back to to what we're talking about, I read an article saying that uh, in comparing your experience in the in the rougher neighborhoods in Stockton, California, compared to this prison, well, I'll let you finish. Well, sure. I, th- I mean, I don't think I could have ever set foot in a prison before my mission. No way. I, I don't think I would have done it. Yeah. I would have been too afraid of what, what happens in there. <laughs> um, but having served our missions in a special little town called Stockton, California. Number two crime rate per capita. Whatever it is. I mean, you know, ever, yeah. Uh, and having spent a lot of time in the, the quote-unquote hood. That's right. Of Stockton, especially in these ghettos that are generally full of Cambodian Hmong families, um, Southeast Asians. Yeah. You know, we saw a lot of stuff. And having seen a lot of stuff and overcoming a lot of fears of talking with people who were in gangs. And at first I was very apprehensive. So it took me a long time to really get to the point where I was comfortable approaching a guy with a piece in his in his pocket, you know. <laughs> um, and but But having done that, though, man... I, Going to the prison was probably no different, if not maybe a touch safer than it was to going up to a group of guys in a gang, you know, out in the middle of, you know, the street. Inviting them to church. Inviting them to church. But this yeah. time, invite them to run. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Give that's them. not, it's definitely, uh, you know, not as, 
you know, annoying probably. <laughs> now you're teaching the, the gospel of running. Yeah, teaching the gospel of running. That would have been a lot easier to approach people with on the mission vis-a-vis come to church. <laughs> so it was easy. Even though I have more belief and more drive to help people find what we found in, in the church the running part is a lot less, uh, people are going to be a lot less defensive about oh, that. That, that. That's right. Yeah. Well, uh, Isaac Wood is the is a coach for Brigham Young University, and he's holding the prison marathon for Utah State Prison on October 31st. Halloween. Halloween. That's right. Yep. All right. Isaac Wood, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Sean. Thanks for listening. If you're liking Un- Uninformed, Make sure you've subscribed to our podcast. And if you really like this, leave us a rating. Our music is provided by Dee Dee Dumbo. I'm Sean Seavey, and you've been listening to Un-Uninformed. Thanks, everybody.